You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, everyone. Uh, We've got a bit of a sad one here today. We just found out that Michelle Dabrowski passed away last night after a long battle with cancer. Uh, Michelle was one of our first storytellers and a great friend of the show, and we're devastated by the loss. Michelle described herself as a lawyer, a nerd, and a comic. She was well-known in the comedy world, not just as a great comedian, but as someone who worked hard to get other comics exposure and stage time. She was starting to explore storytelling right around the same time that Brian and I were talking about starting the Story Collider, and she was one of the first people that we talked to for ideas and critiques about how to make the show work. She went on to perform at one of our very first events, where she told a beautiful story of love gone wrong in a biophysics lab. When we launched the podcast, we knew that this was the perfect story, and so hers was the very first story on the Story Collider podcast. And so, again, we're incredibly sad to hear of her passing, and in her memory, here's that story. So it's true, I am now a lawyer. Um, I also do a lot of comedy, but I've had a million different careers and my first one was scientist, okay? In 1989, I was a student at Johns Hopkins University, a place known for its scientists. Oh, we got some alumni in the audience? Go Blue Jays, all right. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna leave names out of this story just for you guys, Um, just in case. And, you know, it was an interesting time in my life, and, and I, I have, and I always still do pride myself as a woman of science, you know, not goofy, not crushy, not giggly, but I was in a very vulnerable spot at that point. I had been engaged to a classmate of mine who was a math major. Boo. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, he was also a philosophy major. Yeah. I don't know. But we had just broken up. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at that point. I knew I was going to be a scientist of epic importance. I didn't know if I wanted to spend the next 12 years of my life in an MD-PhD program. I didn't know if I wanted to take a year off and bum around Baltimore for another year. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up finding love in the biophysics lab. Okay, I drowned my sorrows in dilute acetic acid. And it wasn't just the acetic acid, which is quite a rush. Um, I ended up falling madly in love in my lab. It was a very small lab. It was a very intimate place. And the gentleman for whom I worked, for whom I came on as a work-study student and started working 20 hours a week, and for whom I devoted my entire heart and soul and fingers to, was (laughs) the most gorgeous creature you'd ever seen. He was blonde, he was tall, he was slim and muscular, he was six foot six. I won't tell you his name because there's a love in the audience, but he was a third, and I thought that was glamorous. He was, he, he was like one of three, you know, he was blank, 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 the third, and I thought that was fantastic. And he was completely brilliant. He had gotten a biology degree, he had a degree in bassoon performance from Peabody. I know, right? And this guy 
was a character. And um, how many guys like this are you going to find? He even smelled good. And at Hopkins... <laughs> Granted, the school was about two-thirds to three-quarters male, but this guy stood out. He smelled really good, like a bar of ivory soap that you just opened. And he used to swim, and he'd swim in these tiny little red Speedos. I mean, <laughs> tiny little red Speedos. I'd gone swimming with him once, and I, I almost drowned. <laughs> tiny little red Speedos. And sometimes he would just drape them over the extra chair in the lab. Tiny little red Speedos. And he was, he was wonderful, and we got along fantastically well. And the more I worked there, the more time I spent there. And the more time I spent there, the closer we got. We would hang out, we would go to lunch together. He introduced me to kimchi at the little Korean takeout on the corner, and I thought that was so exotic and cool. No one ate kimchi. He would bring me goldfish crackers from the school bookstore. I would bring him Pepperidge Farm cookies with the raspberry in the middle. I thought he was the most handsome, talented, brilliant person I'd ever seen in my life. My friends thought he was gay. <laughs> Now, I thought I had pretty good gator, but my gay friends were telling me, look, he wears Speedos. He's never talked about a girlfriend, ever. He's 28 years old. He also lives with an incredibly handsome man named Randy who runs around shirtless an awful lot. <laughs> now, there were roommates, he was a jogger. I had this covered, I had this all rationalized. And I just spent more and more time there. I developed new lab apparatuses, I developed gradient gel electrophoresis systems just so I could spend the night there ordering supplies from the lab catalog and putting things together and testing them and showing them what a brilliant biophysicist I was. We would do things together because I was also a musician and we would go to things that no one else would go to with us. We would go to harpsichord concerts. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to harpsichord concerts. We would go to hear like jazz standards. We'd go to piano bars. We would do all these things together. Piano bars, that's, that's a little gay. Um, that just occurred to me. <laughs> it's the joy of discovery. <laughs> and I joined the biophysics department softball team because he was naturally their star hitter and I was the backup catcher. <laughs> so I stood at the backstop and tried not to get hit. But I wanted to go to practice. Our pitcher was a 76-year-old crystallographer. We weren't very good. <laughs> but I just wanted to spend all my time with him. And it saved me having to think about the romance. It saved me having to think about my future. It saved, it saved me thinking about anything. But then I found myself actually falling in love. And I was sure, despite what my friends were saying, that, you know, he was in love with me too. You know, he would peer down my lab coat every now and again. I would catch him peering down my lab coat. We would have water fights in the lab, but I'm sure it was just because he wanted to see me in a wet t-shirt. I was positive. <laughs> he would teach me naughty phrases in Russian because he also spoke fluent Russian. Besides being a virtuoso bassoonist and a brilliant lab student who was admitted to the PhD program at Hopkins for the following year. And I really thought we had something going on. Back rubs, cookies, goldfish crackers. I really thought we had something special. And since this was Hopkins and since we were scientists, I figured, He's just too much of a nerd to tell me how he really feels about me. So I resolved that I was going to do something. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to do something to tell him that I liked him, that I capital L liked him. <laughs>
what was I going to do? How was I going to do this? This had to be fantastic. I went to the card store on St. Paul Street. It was this little dingy stationery store with a couple of racks of cards and school supplies and whatnot, and every card was so cheesy. So I picked out a blank card, and I figured I would write some song lyrics down. And I remember I had made him this Michael Feinstein mixtape because this was pre-CDs. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, and, and, and there was all this Gersh went on it, and I spent all this time because this was really pre-internet. Only my friends and I had emails at that point in 1989, and we would email each other across the room. Hi, hi. <laughs> but so there was no internet, so I had to remember the song lyrics. I bought a blank card, I went to the quad, I threw my books down, and I tried to remember the song lyrics to a Gershwin song called It's Wonderful. Not It's Wonderful, it's It's Wonderful. It's Marvelous, If You Could Care For Me. And that was what my song lyric was gonna be. I ran down to the florist on the corner, and I went and bought one rose, because I was gonna do this. I was gonna let him know how I felt. And I took the rose, and I hid it underneath my books so I wouldn't crush it, but so that nobody would see it. So I wanted to sneak this into the biophysics lab, and I knew his schedule. My classes were done for the day, and what I would normally do would be to go and work and spend time over there, but I wanted this to be a surprise. So I ran into the lab, and I saw my boss. I saw my faculty advisor, and he just gave me the raised eyebrow, and I gave him the raised eyebrow, and he very tastefully backed into his office. He knew what love was. He was a former nerd, and he had eventually found love late in his 30s, and I figured that means there was hope for all of us, all of us scientists. So I took the flower and I took the card that I had carefully written in my very neatest handwriting with just those four words on it and I put it on his desk because I knew he had gone out to lunch. Turns out he hadn't gone out to lunch but he was in another corner of the lab in a different room. And I sort of saw him out of the corner of my eye. I didn't know if he saw me but I cut out of there. I cut out of there very quickly. And of course my friends, my friends who advised strongly against this course of action you know, my best gay friend who said, just don't do this. And my roommate who said, if you're going to do it, you should be drunk first. <laughs> Both of whom I ignored. So I ran out sober and hopeful. I ran out of the building to, on the pathway to the humanities building because all the buildings were connected by a brick pathway. And they, of course, were waiting in the coffee shop. And they had come out to meet me to find out what had gone on. They wanted to see if this was actually going to work, what was happening here. Um, and I was just breathless. I was like, because ah, 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 I'd broken my way out of the lab because I didn't want him to see me. But I wanted him to see the flower and see the car, and I wanted him to digest it and realize that he had been mistaken all along for not falling in love with me. So I asked him for a cigarette because I know having a cigarette would actually make me breathe better at that point. <laughs> so I'm just gesturing at them for a cigarette. My back's to the biophysics building. I'm gesturing for a the cigarette. They give me a cigarette. I'm lighting up the cigarette. And then I see the looks on their faces and they're looking behind me, over my head, and they saw my very tall, very thin, very blonde friend walking behind me. He must have seen that I had left and he must have walked out behind me. So I had the cigarette in my hand and I turned around and I looked up at him and in his hand was the card and in his hand was the rose. And he looked at me and he shook his head and he said, no. I felt so small. I felt smaller than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And he handed me the card and he handed me the rose. And I held it. I held the cigarette in one hand and the card and the rose in the other and my full of advice, sharp, brilliant, sassy, 
best friend and roommate didn't know what to say. And I could just feel my heart break. It just broke. I didn't go to the lab for a couple of days. I called my boss, he was cool. He was a wise, wise man, a very smart man, but a very wise man. Didn't say a word. I came back to the lab eventually. And me and my friend went on like nothing had happened. I bought him cookies, he bought me crackers. We went to see chamber music concerts. We did our work. And I didn't really see much of him after graduation. We didn't really keep in touch. We never spoke of it again. I came back to visit about five years later for our first reunion. Went into the lab. There's a red Speedo drying over the chair. And I see my friend with the gayest blonde mustache I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Thank you. That was Michelle Dabrowski. She'll be missed.